Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is All of It. I'm David First in for Allison Stewart. Today is our last day of full bio discussing the book Althea, the life of tennis champion Althea Gibson by Sally Jacobs. Gibson broke the color barrier in the sport. We learned in parts one, two, and three about her original story in Harlem, her taking on the conventional tennis organizations, and her big grand slams. You can catch all of those on demand. Now we talk about Althea Gibson's life post-tennis. Althea took up singing. Here she is from her LP, Althea Don't Sings. Don't say no. Don't tell them that we're through. Don't say no. Just tell them I love you. After retiring from tennis, she had her eyes on professional golf. Gibson didn't become a star, but did break the color barrier in 1963 as the first black woman in the Ladies Professional Golf Association. She married twice, once to her real love, Will Darbin. They divorced after 10 years, but remained friends. Later, she married her coach, Sid Llewellyn. That also ended in divorce. Althea Gibson had a series of appointed positions. Nothing really seemed to fit. In her late years, she was running out of money and some old friends came in to help. Here's Alison Stewart's final full-bio conversation with author Sally Jacobs. I want to spend the last part of our conversation talking about Althea the person, Althea's role in history, how Althea felt about her role in history. Uh, There was one period in her life when the U.S. government decides to send athletes around the world as ambassadors of goodwill to show the ability to prosper in the states. The Harlem Globetrotters, Jesse Owens. It was a a global ambassador position. Uh, Why would Althea accept this position? Because she was smart. (laughs) Um, That's a simplistic answer. But the truth was Althea realized that this was going to give her an opportunity. She didn't know how great an opportunity, but she saw, I think, that this could help her. You know, she was sort of not doing so well at this point. It's 1955. She's still in a bit of a slump. What happens is that Emmett Till tragically is murdered uh, and the Russian government takes advantage of um, all the racism deep in American culture. They they start making fun of America, criticizing them, and the State Department snaps too, as they had already by sending blacks overseas. Uh, and they, uh, within, I think it's, gosh, a couple weeks after Emmett Till's death, they go to Althea and they say, how would you like to go on a goodwill tour overseas? Okay, you could say she's being used exploited. Yes, she was a little bit. But Althea was smart, too. If she was going to get ahead and succeed, then she was going to go on that trip. She goes with three other white people, uh, one of whom, Hamilton Richardson, uh, is a great guy, a great player, and he really helps her, really helps her with her game. All three of them do, the other white players. And they become a team, the foursome. They do various exhibits all over India, Ceylon, Pakistan, and Althea is the hero of the group because she is the same color as other people that are watching. And they love talking to her. She wins almost every, every, all but two, 16 out of 18 tournaments. It just was a deal breaker for her. Was she wrong to do it? 
you know, this is the question that kind of plagues Althea's position on race, I think. Was she right to be as self-absorbed, as self-focused, or was she smart because Althea broke the barrier? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Could she have done it if she didn't focus on herself? I, I want to tell you one little thing I stumbled upon in my research that I thought really summed it up, you know, as you try to understand Althea's position, because she didn't speak out on the black cause, and she took a lot of heat for it, uh, but she did break the barrier. On December 1st, 1955, two things happened on the same day. Rosa Parks sits down on the bus, the seat in the bus for blacks only, and refuses uh, to get off to make way for a white citizen, uh, and thus we begin the year-long, you know, boycott of the buses there. On the same day, I did the math, Althea sits down on a plane in Rangoon heading out on the Goodwill journey, Goodwill tour, sorry. You know, she is not a champion for the black cause. She never really speaks out about it. Looking at those two people, you could say, you know, Althea was kind of the timid, self-absorbed one. Rosa was the hero, the heroine. I don't really think that's true. Althea did what Althea could do. She fought it with every fiber of her being, and she encountered racism at every step of the way, on the court, in the locker room, you name it. And she couldn't do both things. She couldn't be a race champion and a tennis champion. And I began to appreciate that as I learned more and more about her. I don't think if she'd been a race champion, she could have broken the barrier. Why not? So, because it would have taken too much energy. It would have taken too much harassment. I don't think psychologically Althea, an abuse victim as a child, you know, who'd struggled so much against so many odds, could have done both. She said, I am not a racially conscious person. I don't want to be. I see myself as just an individual. I can't help or change my color in any way. So why should I make a big deal out of it? I'm a tennis player, not a Negro tennis player. I have never set up set myself up as a champion of the Negro race. This is from her autobiography, I Always Wanted to Be Somebody. Why is that a quote that's important for listeners to consider? Because I think it helps you understand why Althea did what she did and why she didn't do what she didn't. What I was trying to explain earlier mm -hmm. that Althea did the best that she could do. For her, being a champion of the black race was being the best tennis player she could because that way she would break the barrier. She would be a symbol. She would be someone who could be the best. And if that's not doing something for the black race, I don't know what is. It wasn't what everybody was clamoring for, but Althea, as usual, had to do it her own way. And so she did. Ebony wrote that no Negro athlete could outrun all the bad news coming from the United States. Some people were much crueler and called her behavior Uncle Tomish. Yeah. Um, what did she come home to in the black press? Well, again, they, they felt like she was being used and that they weren't, she wasn't fighting the good fight, which, again, mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of depends on how you look at it. No, she wasn't on a day-by-day -day basis. But the black press will turn again. You know, she mm -hmm. becomes their heroine again when she starts winning in 57. That's Althea's year. She wins everything. You know, here is a black athlete who is number one in the world. Um, and the black press, uh, you know, surrounds her. Now, I, I want to point out one other thing of the many, many incidents of, of racism. This is another one that always just really moves me. In 1958, Althea Gibson is the number one women's tennis player in the world. She's won everything. And she's going to go down to Miami to play in something called the Goodwill, um, Good Neighbor Tournament. It was one of the first tournaments she played in um, as a black 
player in 51. 1958, she's driving down the interstate, feeling pretty darn good about things. She's got a lot of friends playing the tournament. She takes a left to go over the bridge into Miami. And there's a toll gate there. And as she's about to you know, go through the gate, the guard comes out, puts his hand up and says, no, you can't come in here. No black people can come in here. There's been a long history of blacks, black people not being allowed onto the beach there without permits. And she's astonished. She tells him who she is. I'm Althea Gibson. I'm, you know, it's XYZ. Doesn't believe a word of it, even when she shows her license. At the end of this terrible encounter, uh, she has to call the tournament directors to tell the the gatekeeper to let her in, that she's playing in a tournament. So at the end of the day, Althea Gibson is another black girl who can't come through the gate. (laughs) Yes, she gets in, but you know, she has to work hard to be able to do it. And it so upset her. It enraged her that by the time she gets on the court, I talked to a number of other women who played that tournament, she just is a wreck. She loses the first match. She's so upset by it. And it doesn't really leave her for a while. She realizes everybody's talking about it, and it's humiliating to her. We're discussing the book Althea, The Life of Tennis Champion Althea Gibson. My guest is Sally Jacobs. It's our choice for full bio. Althea Gibson takes up competitive golf and once again breaks the color barrier and becomes the first black golfer in the Ladies Professional Golf Association. Why golf? Um, Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Golf because she could. Golf because more black people were playing in golf. Um, A number of athletes um, had started to play, so it seemed like a somewhat welcoming community to her, you know, not standing the larger hostility of the white community, black people were beginning to play the sport. So she took a stance. She decided to play. She was not a a champion in the way she was in tennis. From your research and from reading her files, was this a happy time in her life, this time when she was a golfer? I would say it was a mixed time. Mm -hmm. Althea had a job. um, She was a community representative for something called Tip Top Bread. So she had a bit of an income, not a lot, but enough. Um, you could make money in golf. Althea never was great at golf. She did okay. It took a while. I think she made the most of something like, I don't know, it was like $15,000 in one year. But she was part of the group. Um, the white female players really embraced her. Um, but she felt very supported there, I think. She drove in a long line of cars. Each car had the female golf player. And so in that respect, I think she felt a community support that she'd never had. That her performance was not better, I think, was was a real disappointment for her. She only played uh, till I think it was the mid-70s, 76, 77, I think she stopped. In a different world, Althea Gibson might have been a singer. She loved music so much. She was at the Apollo as a kid. She, I think, plays second place, you write, and she was at the Apollo. Uh, right, exactly. Was she ever, I know she made a couple records, was she ever really serious about being a singer? Oh, she was serious, yeah. She had a singing coach for two years um, who helped her a lot, but she was not a really great singer. She releases an album album called Althea Gibson Sings by Dot Records in 58, um, and it just, it really didn't sell. So that was kind of the end of that. She sang on and off, but never in any um, official way, in any um, professional way. Let's hear a little bit of Althea Gibson singing. I can't give you anything but love, baby That's the only thing I've plenty of, baby 
Dream a while, scheme a while, we're sure to find happiness and I guess all those things you've always pined for, gee, I like to see you looking swell, baby, diamond bracelets, Woolworth doesn't sell, baby, till that lucky day. You know darn well, baby I can't give you anything but love Althea Gibson married twice, divorced twice, no children... Was family life, sort of traditional family life, ever a priority for her? Uh, yes, yes. I think, well, when you say family life, she didn't have children. She learned um, early on that she couldn't have children. I don't know the reason why, but in 1984, the San Francisco Chronicle did a story reporting on this that she had learned early on. So I think that affected her view of marriage and family if she wasn't going to have children. Mm-hmm. Will Darbin uh, was a great guy um, who adored her and courted her for years. They were really good friends. The joke in the family was that uh, he was the feminine one, she was the masculine one, whatever. It worked. Um, they do get divorced, but even after they get divorced, they come back in later years. They get together and go to their favorite sandwich shop and watch sports together. It was a really a real relationship. Um so in that sense, uh, I think it was very important to her. She loved Will Darwin. She used to drive, um, gosh, in her last year, she would drive back to their home where Will Darwin had grown up with Rosemary and where Althea lived for a while in Montclair, mm-hmm. New Jersey. And she would sit in her car, parked outside with the engine off, big hat on her head, and a guy inside who I talked to would come out and say, Miss Gibson, do you want to come inside? She said, oh, no, those days are over. I'm just remembering the good times. So, you know, this was a very important thing to her. Yeah, I was reading the book, and reading the book, being WNYC, there's a lot of New York, there's a lot of Montclair, there's a lot of the oranges in the book. Um, And later in her life, for a time, she had a leadership position that she took in New Jersey. Would you share what she did when she worked in New Jersey? Yeah, uh, she had a string of positions, uh, none of which lasted too, too long. Um, She was a a director of the Valley View Racquet Club for a while. Uh, Her biggest job, really, was New Jersey State Athletic Commissioner, first female to get that job. Uh, She got it in 1976 because the governor uh, was someone she played tennis with, uh, and they were very good friends, but she didn't really like it. She felt she didn't have enough authority to do what she wanted to do, so she stepped down uh, the following year in 77. She ran for state senate, um, a very credible run but didn't win. Uh, And then she was uh, on the Governor's Council for Physical Fitness for a number of years in the 80s. So she had a bit of a, a, you know, a a face in the community Mm -hmm. there. She was in the media quite a bit, but slowly kind of began to fade as years went on. Like many older black pioneers who didn't make a lot of money and didn't get these huge endorsement deals like now, she was financially strapped in her old age, so much so that fundraisers were held to help pay for her medical care, and there may have been some malfeasance on part of her caretakers. Um, It's not a happy way to remember her. So I do want to ask you, how would you want her to be remembered? 
Just to point out one thing about that, um, it was Angela Buxton who really, Althea calls up Angela and says, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to go away. And Angela says, oh, where are you going to go? And she says, well, I'm going to kill myself. I'm done. And Angela rockets into action, as is her habit, and starts to raise money and does, after a couple of hiccups, does raise a little over a million dollars. So Althea did have some money in her final years, not a lot, but enough. Um, I think Althea should be remembered as uh, an athletic champion who broke the color barrier, not just one, but two sports, and never to this day has really gotten the recognition that she deserves. She was a model for Arthur Ashe in a big way, for the Williams sisters. Um, Serena wrote a paper about Althea when she was in high school, uh, and yet many, many people don't know who she is. Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie King Richard about the Williams sisters. There's a photograph of Althea Gibson on the refrigerator during one of the times when Richard's having a fight with his wife. Just a little picture, a little black and white picture of Althea. No comment, no nothing. I saw it and I thought, oh my gosh, it must be Serena who put that photo up there. Or maybe it was Venus or Richard who admired her. So I decided I was going to find out. Long story short, I spent weeks trying to find out who put that photo on the refrigerator. I called this person, that person, the Williams sisters' uh, agents. I finally get the set designer for the uh, studio that made the film, and I said to her, oh, so that film, that picture of Althea, how did that end up getting up there? She said, well, you know, I put it up there, and I had no idea who it was. It was the only black woman in tennis that I could find, so I figured that the Williams sisters knew her. It was Althea. The name of the book is Althea, The Life of Tennis Champion Althea Gibson. My guest has been Sally Jacobs. Sally, thank you for giving us so much time. Sure. Thank you so much. It wasn't until 2019 that a statue of Althea Gibson was erected at the U.S. Open. Thanks again to Sally Jacobs. The audio was provided by Andy Lancet from the WNYC Archives. Our engineer was Jason Isaac. Our producer was Jordan Loff. And the conversation was written by Allison Stewart.